Hello, stranger. Do you like to read? Read? What's happening? Am I dead? I bet you like zombie books. I like food. Do you have food? You don't need food at dividedbyzerobooks.com. It's full of nutrient-rich science fiction. Ugh, I'm stuck in an ad, aren't I? Once I stop talking, reality will collapse until someone plays this ad again. This isn't the first time we've had this discussion, and it won't be the last. Hello, stranger. Do you like to read? Hello, and welcome to the Blanket Fortress of Solitude. My name is Evan Kelly, and you may notice that my voice sounds a little bit different from the voice you're used to hearing at this point in the program, but I assure you, everything is going as scheduled. There's no need to adjust your preferred podcast listening device. I have with me today a guest who I hope you're familiar with as a listener of this show. His name is Derwin Lester. I got a new job working at an elementary school where I met Derwin's wife. And through a work event, I had the pleasure of meeting Derwin himself. We immediately hit it off. And I learned that he's a man with a lot of opinions. He's a man with a lot to say. And so with that, I'm going to let him start saying something. Derwin, welcome to your show. Thank you. (laughs) So Derwin, tell me what life was like for you in March of 2020. Um, I mean, when that funny little thing happened and the world closed down. <laughs> yeah, right before that. What were you doing? What, what was your normal day like? Um, well, I remember my dad had been telling me that, oh, but there's this like virus coming out of China and it's going to fuck up the whole planet get ready and i'm like you're crazy old man this is january of 2020 um, it didn't last that that attitude right did not last no i went way 180 on it right? i'm like oh i found religion with that. we'll get there we'll get there. we'll get there um i was working from home four days a week and no i was working from home uh four days a week going to the office one day you know I think it was just to remind us how to be civilized human beings and to like work in an office environment. And yeah, I was, I hadn't started podcasting yet and I was still divided by zero books was still primarily on uh, Amazon. Right. Cause at this, that time of recording April 19, 2022, it's 50% transitioned off Amazon by now. And I had just gotten married uh, four months prior. Um, yeah, I, I, I'll tell you, that was a much better move than getting married one month after the pandemic <laughs> started. That's what I did. That was not, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, fuck that. Um, <laughs> and yeah, no, I got married October of 2019. No, I got out of the National Guard July of 2019, July, August, the summer of 19. Uh, fall 19 i get married spring 2020 that little thing happens and the world shuts down and you know this thing with that that'll never happen it did um (laughs) but yeah no i was just you know getting used to the idea of marriage of being a husband what does a husband mean you know asking all these deep existential questions Mm -hmm. and it was you know i mean you're a married guy you get it like it's 
you know, you think like you live together for a long time. You think, oh, it's like we're married. No, it's not. Because <laughs> <laughs> you can leave anytime you want. <laughs> like, <laughs> legally, there's nothing to stop you. And, you know, when you're married, you got to work stuff out. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it's into the relationship gets deeper. You know, you. Yeah. Everything gets enhanced. It's. It's just more fulfilling, more profound. Yeah. Um, The way I think about it is that whenever you take a relationship to the next step, whatever is happening, it's going to intensify, right? mm -hmm. So if you're good together, you get married, it's going to get better. But if you're not good together and you get married, it's going to get worse. (laughs) I got a funny story about that. So, and it's not my story. It's someone else's. So we'll skip ahead just a hair. So maybe may of 2020 right after that first 30 day shutdown where we all thought we were going to die and my buddy was like oh i'm getting married at the casino and then i'm like oh i'll come for 15 minutes exactly <laughs> and i go in there and by may of 2020 here in the midwest in indiana the casino no one's wearing a mask <laughs> like and i'm like just terrified and they're like, are you because like, are you sure you don't want to stay for the dinner? I'm like, no. <laughs> like, this was a big deal, guys. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's interesting though that you say that. Um, this is a digression to a digression. Sure. But um in the early days, if, if you recall, the guidance was don't wear a mask. Oh, yeah. You know, the, the cloth masks aren't gonna help you. That up so bad. <laughs> yes, they did. They said the cloth masks masks aren't gonna help you. You really need the N95s and those should be saved for the hospitals because we fucked up the whole supply chain on them. And so, yeah, there was a lot of unmasked time in the beginning of the pandemic. I mean, I I would still go to the grocery store and I felt nervous, but my, my sister was a pre-med student. She said, you don't need, you're not going to wear that. <laughs> obviously, you know, she revised her statement as, as the science on it changed, but I, that was, that was the prevailing wisdom of the, those early days. <laughs> I, one of the, one of the last drills I did as a medic, I, I was, we're doing a flu shot clinic, right? Cause like, that's when the vaccine came out and I'm like, oh my God, there's mm-hmm. a vaccine. Praise be to God on high. This is amazing. And so I worked at so many, I used to run, help run vaccine clinics. And this, when you give someone a flu shot, right? You take their deltoid, you squeeze it, you stab them, you hit the plunger, you put the juice in there and then you squeeze the deltoid as you pull it out. Right. So that way you're not tearing additional muscle, right? You're just kind of working within the hole and you mm-hmm. kind of like manipulate the hole to pull the needle out easier, basically, right? And mm-hmm. this girl would, and she was, had been a medic for five seconds and she stabbed, I'm watching her, right? And she stabs the, the deltoid. And then as she's pulling the needle out, she's hitting the plunger. So basically- half the flu shot is running down the guy's arm right oh my gosh because no one's saying a word to her and i'm like hey man so i know you do and i'm so glad you're here and you're doing a great job but you're doing it wrong and here's how you do it (laughs) because you don't want to be like you know you know like you don't want to be dr cox from scrubs if you don't have to be you know because clearly she just didn't know what she was doing and then she did after i showed her and then I just kind of hung out with her for the day and taught her. But 
Yeah, there you, you go. Know, digressions are fun, aren't they? <laughs> they sure are. But uh, speaking of sort of your illustrious career history, let's uh, let's talk about work. How did your work life change after everything hit and it became fully apparent? Oh, this is real and it's not going anywhere. I would say the quality of my work dropped for about six months. <laughs> yeah, considerably. Like, I, you know, I logged in, my paycheck kept coming. <laughs> I tried, but. Uh, you know, I look back at my work, you know, sometimes I kind of go into the system and look at things from two years ago, like, oh, I really fucked that. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, May 2020 was not my best time. That's not my <laughs> best work. Um, You know, it just went from four days a week at home to five days a week at home. And we've been at the house since, you mm-hmm. know, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to work from home until the sun burns out. So, or future Derwin listening to this when it comes out in June, will say, we're already back in the office. Who the fuck knows anymore? <laughs> so how do you feel about that? How do you feel about losing that that day at the office? Uh, well, it's conflicting, right? Because I'm ugh, I'm an extroverted guy who's just really Wait, kind of Kathy. You're, you're an extrovert? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know. Hmm. Uh, and <laughs> I... Because, yeah, that's the whole reason I started this podcast was because I just wanted to feel like I was talking into the void, right? And I'm yeah. like, oh, maybe someone's listening as I scream as the world burns. But, um, <laughs> no, I I miss the P. There was like four people I miss working with every day, right? Not that anyone's bad or anything, but there was four people I really liked. And there's four people mm-hmm. I worked with consistently. And one of them was the wedding I went to, right? Because he's like, hey, you want to come? And I'm like, sure. Um, but also, too, there's like was weird office politics. And, you know, everybody liked to talk and to gossip and fucking, you know, like they'll talk to you about people that I'm like, I know you're friends with this guy. Like, what are you, what are we doing? And then I'd catch myself doing it too, because you want to fit in, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I'm not proud of it. I participated in the, you know, just shit talking to everybody. And then you're like, well, if they're doing it and I'm doing it, then someone's doing it about me too. Yeah. And, and there is this weird, like, you know, and I won't name names, of course, but you know, there is like a, we'll call him the big man on campus. We'll say (laughs) And the big man on campus, people would follow him around and try to scurry favor with the big man on campus. And, you know, and, and I found myself do trying that out once, right. If I'm being real open and honest here, I fucking hate myself a little bit too this fucking day, right. Just once. Then I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? Like this is pathetic and I hate everything about this. And I'm never, I don't give a shit if this guy likes fear not, you know, I don't like him. Like if he comes in the room, I try to go somewhere else. Right. But, but that social pressure is so yeah. all encompassing. Right. Yeah. And so may, maybe one of the benefits of remote work is that it snaps us out of that. So I guess um, more than a question, let's, let's take this as a moment to transition because there are, as as we know, some benefits to having this remote work, but that trade-off is the loss of social interaction. You've mentioned starting this very podcast as a way 
to cope with that. Can you tell me a little bit more of how you coped with the isolation and uncertainty during the pandemic? Well, the philosopher King Conan O'Brien famously <laughs> said that uh, day two in the lockdown, he got a good look at himself, the mayor, and he did not like who he saw. And uh, I, so I was very lucky in that my wife, who, you know, who's a school teacher, uh, was sent home with everybody else. And uh, so we just kind of, you know, as you do with America, we just hang on to each other. And, you know, schools in Indiana were virtual mm-hmm. from March to June of 20. And then most of FY21 or the 2021 school year, big chunk of that, they're virtual. Mm-hmm. And I remember they tried to come back and then, yeah, it didn't. didn't yeah. <laughs> and I remember we were clearing out because it was May and we all came back in or to her school to, you know, she worked at a charter school here in Indianapolis and we were clearing out her classroom. Right. And all of the Mm -hmm. calendars in her classroom said March still. And all the notifications (laughs) were for March and here's what's coming up in April. And I'm like, Oh, it's the last week in May. Oh, this is apocalyptic as fuck. (laughs) (laughs) And you know, but yeah, I was, I was lucky and our, we've got, you know, a two-story house. And so, you know, I could pick the first floor and she picked the second floor. And then, you know, I don't think I would have made it very well by myself for a number of reasons, but probably my wife helped me get through it the best. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, lots of phone calls, many phone calls as I could. I didn't have anything organized or scheduled or anything. Um, you know. And yeah, I mean, I thought we were gonna die. And, like, <laughs> I remember uh fucking yeah, I was I was so scared. I was I was drinking beer and popping Ben real go to sleep. And <laughs> and you know, I I think so I'm a terrible craftsman and we had this drywall we had to replace in one of the guest bedrooms and so as the world's closing down and everyone's gathering as many resources as they can because we don't know how long this party's gonna last (laughs) there's this hole in the drywall in my guest bedroom and i'm thinking okay so if slash when i die from the mystery virus that's shut down the planet uh it's gonna be in that room so I'm going to fix the drywall. So the last thing I don't see before I choke on my own fluids and the lights go out is, man, that drywall <laughs> looks like shit. You know? <laughs> like, my goodness, that's bleak. <laughs> right? I am frantically trying to fix this fucking thing. It's like, maybe I'll die, but she'll have a nice wall. Right? <laughs> it's a bleak fucking time, man. No, for it really was. Um, it kind of lines up with my sensibilities too, right? Because yeah. I don't know. Because for a while, I was like, "Well, why should I be happy? Why would life be good? That's stupid. Why would you expect <laughs> happiness? You're a fool. Like, of course, things are terrible." <laughs> like, and then March 2020 happens. Like, oh yeah, no, I, yeah, I kind of this makes sense, right? I recognize this feeling. This is yeah. 
you know, it's not good, but it, there's a comfort to it. Yeah, I recognize overwhelming it. sense of apocalyptic doom. And like, oh, it all will burn. Like, of course, <laughs> it, how could it be any other way? <laughs> but anyway, what are you saying? So how, how much toilet paper did you buy during this Oh, my God, time? so much. I, uh, the Fed, fuck, what was it? It was, it kind of dawned on me that, because like, you know, I was hearing of, you know, it felt like every year and a half there was going to be an apocalyptic plague on the news, mm-hmm. right? And and then I see it's the last week of February 2020. And then I see um, I'm, I'm watching a video on my phone of people in Japan hoarding rice and toilet paper. And I'm like, oh, that's going to be us in three weeks. And so I go to Walmart after that. And then I'm in the Walmart and then I'm like, oh, oh, I'm the, there's no one else is buying toilet paper. Oh, I'm the first. (laughs) (laughs) And so I've got like two, like 24 racks in my cart. And then I remember slowly as things were going on, we're like buying an extra thing here or there. Cause we were trying to figure out how to like budget our grocery bill and be responsible and Mm -hmm. whatever. And then after a while, I'm like, I don't think I need a budget anymore. <laughs> like, we need to buy. We need to buy a lot. And then it was the last, I, I went to church recently this year for Easter Mass. But before that, it was the weekend before the world shut down in March is the last time I went to church. And I remember we're there and they had just caught the first case of COVID in Indianapolis. And, mm-hmm. you know, like when it's in, in Catholic Mass. Uh, I've been a Catholic for all of two seconds, but in Catholic <laughs> mass, you, you know, they say peace be with you and you shake hands and whatever. And some people kiss and everyone just kind of like the Spock salute and <laughs> like, hi, how you doing? We're just waving at each other. And there was kind of this like impending feeling of like, Oh, something's coming. Right. Like mm-hmm. It was the calm before the storm. And then, cause our normal routine was we would go to mass and then go get, brunch and then go get groceries and so we're in the that's a great routine fantastic routine that's what Lindsay and i do to this day so it it makes a lot of sense oh yeah and we're in aldi and this is the 11th of march maybe because i think the world shut down that week like that thursday Mm. and we're in aldi that sunday and then she's like oh we're over a budget i'm like listen we don't have a budget anymore we need to buy whatever we might need. This thing might last up to four, four weeks, maybe six weeks. They might last six weeks. Who knows? Right? <laughs> Worst case scenario, we're out of this in two months. Yeah, right? Like, I thought, <laughs> oh, you know, we'll be out of this in May. It'll be fine. May 2023, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. And then later on that week, we actually hosted a... Uh, it was a trivia night and there was this bar that used to exist that we really enjoyed called reclamation. And this guy we knew named Charlie had uh, remade it, refurbished it into a sort of 1920 speakeasy. Right. Mm. And uh, it doesn't, uh, Charlie's not with us anymore. God rest his soul. And mm. so it doesn't, they might somebody, I think we think somebody might have retaken it over to reopen it. We don't know. 
but he really put a lot of work into it. So we were helping him do a trivia night, right? Mm-hmm. And we had a friend that hopped on a plane and flew that Monday to Florida, right? The week the world shut down. Mm. And she was sending us pictures of the airports and it looked like a fucking kiss concert. There were so many people there. <laughs> it just packed person to person to person is trying to escape the plague. And I'm like, looking back, you're like, well, that's not six feet. <laughs> um, and you know just frantically trying to get home and we were supposed to go to south carolina and then i'm kind of like as soon as italy had shut down because i'm hearing reports like oh italy hasn't been this locked down since the nazis were storming across europe yeah and i'm like oh i don't think we're going on vacation this year guys <laughs> like we need, to, <laughs> we need to cancel get a refund i, I got insurance on the tickets it'll be fine or they can keep Ooh. the fifteen hundred dollars. It's fine. <laughs> Better than death. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we, for five minutes, we thought this was the stand, and anybody who says differently <laughs> is lying and is trying to look tougher. Two years after the fact, in hindsight, right? Because you thought it was the stand, and if you say anything different, you're full of shit. I was there, <laughs> and I remember how scared the whole world was. So yeah, yeah. No, the great thing is that I had read the stand finally in 2019 so when early 2020 hits i'm like oh i've read the the manual for this i know how to proceed you head out to colorado and you you hunker down yeah anyone named harold steer clear yeah (laughs) he's gonna fuck everything up yes Um, he is oh man i read the stand probably 12 13 times when i was a kid and then yeah and then I saw Contagion when it came out in 2011. And then I remember in April of 2020, I would like, yeah, because like, why not feed the anxiety beast? Of course. Right? Like, you know, you're already, you know, you're already popping Benedict on drinking beer to go to sleep. Why not like watch clips of Contagion on your phone as you right <laughs> before you go to bed? That's fucking stupid. You know, um, and I, it's probably why most of my hair is gone, or at least it's significantly thinner than it was in 2019. <laughs> you know, like I have a my I have an editor friend, and we sit up at uh, conventions together and, and sell books. And she sent me a picture of us at a book convention in 2018, and I was like, "Oh my god, we've aged so terribly." And she's like, "Yeah." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, and then I remember it was a Wednesday or a Thursday that week when she called me and said, hey, they're sending the kids home with work from home packets. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, it's go time. And so um, we're working from home at that point. And like we, we had one final day in the office which will probably be the last day I spend in the office as a regular thing. Uh, And I remember everyone's like, you know, no one knows what's going on. You know, one guy's coughing, hacking, sick. My boss went over and sprayed Lysol on him. (laughs) And I was (laughs) like, you know, you could probably go, right? (laughs) You're non-essential personnel, Mikey. (laughs) Like, Jesus Christ, what the fuck are you doing? you know <laughs> like he's like no man 
fucking I had worse stuff in Iraq. Like I ate the camel there and I got I almost died from like dysentery. I'm like, not the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> dysentery from poorly cooked camel meat, not the same thing as the coronavirus. <laughs> not uh, not a respiratory contagious illness. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, do you want a bar? I have many sick days. You can have one of mine. <laughs> Please get the fuck out. <laughs> I will pay you to go the fuck home. Yes. <laughs> um, and you know i remember we were it's like we were waiting and then i'm like what are we doing why are we still here and then at the time i was going through rci which is like adult catholic school Hmm. and you know there was this kid there who was my sponsor who was like a good guy but you know like sometimes you meet somebody like well you're not like a monster but also this doesn't really work right <laughs> like we're not going to be friends and that's okay yeah you know and i'm like because i remember i'm calling my sister and i'm like because i'm like hey man how much toilet paper do you have and she's like you, we're gonna be fine i'm like no we're not how there's no more toilet paper in the city how much to i'm checks <laughs> how much to i've talked to many cashiers they <laughs> left the cashiers are hiding you know what do you have <laughs> She's like, oh, I got 12 rolls. You need 150. <laughs> and then I'm talking to this kid and I'm like, man, they're going to shut the city down. And he's like, that'll never happen. Listen, I've been alive for 27 years. That's never once happened. And I'm like, I've been alive for 33 years. It's never once happened. But guess where we are? You know, it's the fucking stand, man. Get ready. <laughs> um, yeah and then everything shut down and i emptied out my fucking bank account which you know i'm a saver so there's um i i you know i went to walgreens and i reconstituted my old combat medic bag just whatever i was like well you know money might be worth less than six months so let's just spend it all now right like i didn't tap a 401k or anything but you know and and yeah i just i remember going to lowe's and just like lysol wiping down my leather jacket and i had a mask and blue gloves on and just getting gardening supplies and just just trying to like whip it you know because i grew up poor so like i kind of knew how to be poor and i'm like oh this might be that right mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. and so i'm trying to like whip everything together in like three weeks and i try to grow potatoes in the basement uh but i end up growing mostly mold <laughs> and you know and then yeah i remember i remember we had well, we had enough food to last in the house through April at mm-hmm. April of 2020. And I remember we were because New York, you know, they were like had mass graves of homeless people off of Staten Island. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, the hospitals were choking. They, were, they they had the meat trucks out. You know, about every wave of COVID, they've just had the meat trucks out. They're throwing all the extra human bodies and suffering in them, right? And so New York, like they were, they had a thing called battlefield triaging, right? Where if you 
roll up on somebody. And then if your resources are so spread thin, you know, you would make a call and say, Hey, I can't save this dude. And then they just wouldn't save dudes, right? They Mm. would do CPR and basic shit, but if it didn't really kickstart everything real fast, they'd move on to the next person. That's what they did in Iraq and Afghanistan. They were doing that in Manhattan. And I'm like, Mm. Oh fuck. You know? And then, so we were expecting our wave to hit us April, 2020, right? That's what everything was kind of projecting. So about mid April, I remember saying to my wife, like, Hey, no one else comes to the house. We don't go anywhere. We want to like lots of long walks and stuff by this walking trail. Yeah. But like, no one goes near us. We don't go near anybody. <laughs> no more delivery. And then we just sat. Uh, I think I went on one more grocery run because my favorite restaurant was selling groceries through the restaurant right? and in the, in the parking lot. Mm. And you could place an order and get them there. So that way you'd have to go to the inside of the grocery store. And, but yeah, after I got that last bit of groceries and last bit of fresh stuff, what fresh stuff there was, like a lot of it was, wasn't spoiled, but you know, um, you know, like the grocery stores were empty now. I remember, yeah, I remember mostly probably a 60% empty grocery store Mm -hmm. and hard limits on things you could buy, like two cans, tuna you know one loaf of bread if it was there it was Mm -hmm. you know having grown up in the bountiful harvest that is the united states of america i never seen anything like it before in my entire life and you know and then yeah and then that wave never hit right in april and then and then things let up and we kind of start poking our heads out again and then i got confirmed in the church <laughs> like we had a priest and was a good guy. Um had some feelings about masks, we'll say. Mm. <laughs> and he's like, because we're getting fucking baptized and everything. And he's like, you don't need to wear a mask. And I'm like, I feel like I do. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I'm sitting there terrified. This is the first time I'd been in a closed structure with people that weren't my wife uh since the shutdown. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because I was so scared, like, you know, I, I have this idea and it's not mine, but it's kind of a guiding principle where the, you, the first step on the path to wisdom is to understand just how profoundly ignorant you really are, <laughs> right? <laughs> Go into a situation, assume, you know, nothing. And you're the dumbest person in the world and wait to be proven wrong. <laughs> you're so rarely proven wrong. So often you're correct. You are the stupidest person alive and that's fine. You know, <laughs> accept it. You know, much like the blood of the lamb for the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll live a good life. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and it's so when COVID hit and everything, I was like, what's the new guidance? This is the new guidance. Okay. It's different than the SDS guidance. Fuck it. I don't know anything. That's you're this. You've got the letters by your name. Cool. What do you think? <laughs> you're making it up as you go too. Cool. I'm, I'm gonna do what you do, man. <laughs> I don't. I don't really feel the need to prove anything to anybody. Be like, I know what I'm doing. I don't, and I rarely <laughs> do. <laughs> Why pretend otherwise? But um, no. So we're in 
I got confirmed and I was just so terrified to take my mask off and everything. Nothing happened. But because we didn't know anything back then. No one knew what was going on, hardly. I just kind of figured, you know, I just got my life together five minutes before it happened. Like I just got married and then I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. I don't want to fuck this up. So maybe I can just not die or maybe I'll die late into it. Right. <laughs> like she could tell the story of her first husband to her second family. Maybe I can at least die with my patch drywall, you know. Exactly. <laughs> That's the bar. And. And yeah, and then things just kind of seemed to let up from there a little bit. And we went to Ohio and checked in with the in-laws and we all had a very awkward and terrified dinner outside uh, at a breezy restaurant with mascot. <laughs> and yeah, what are the questions do you have? Because I can, I can lead an interview about myself all fucking day. <laughs> I want to tease out something that you said earlier, because it's something you've said to me sure. at different points as well. And that is you felt a strong commonality between your pandemic experience mm-hmm. and your experience of deployment. So can you, can oh, yeah. you elucidate that link a little bit? So I deployed Iraq in the year of our Lord, 2009. And, um, it was a combat deployment in the most vaguest textbook sense, right? Like in the fact that I was in a officially declared combat zone. Uh, yeah. And that was it, right? Like it would, you know, I worked in an air conditioned hospital for the most of it. I went on one convoy where nothing happened. I was in an airplane and we got shot at a little bit, but nothing happened. And that was it, right? Like, I mean, things happen, but it what we no, we didn't save Private Ryan or anything. You know, I saved a couple guy, I saved a guy, and then I kept a couple guys from eating a bullet, and I was just a net positive for the group, and then, you know, and that's fine. You know, I try not to, you know, over lionize myself that way. We were something called Fobbits, right? And a Fobbit is when you uh, live on the, the, the Ford operating base, as we called it a FOB. And a FOBIT is a guy who hardly ever, if at all, leaves the Ford operating base. I didn't leave the Ford operating base and was more than happy not to because, you know, getting shot at seemed very unpleasant and I wanted nothing to do with it if I get away with it. Don't blame you. You know, like I, I go way out of my way to be like, oh, yeah, I didn't shoot anybody. Um, cause there was always that one story it was a, there were, I'll go on a tangent here. There was this reoccurring story. I kept hearing from people where fucking there is a guy and he's on the gun truck of a convoy and he saw it was 150 degrees outside and he saw a kid with a big bulky coat on run toward him. And he knew the kid was a suicide bomber. So he wasted the kid with his men, with his machine gun because he knew it was him or the kid. And he was coming home. I heard that same story about nine times. Hmm. Right. And I'm like, either a lot of people are shooting a lot of five-year-old boys in heavy coats in Iraq, <laughs> which might be a war crime if there's not a bomb like <laughs> you know like maybe you need to like bear i don't know i was never in this situation but like if you think about if you tease that out a little bit like 
<laughs> you know, let's think deeper. You can't just waste five-year-olds. Like some homeless people, they just sleep in jackets in the heat. But anyway, yeah. I never left the base. And the day was very routinized, right? Where every day was almost the same. If you were lucky. Uh, consistency. If you could if you could set a routine and live that routine very strictly, right? Like I got up, I'd walk four miles. Then I log into work. I'd get off work. I'd walk another four miles, right? Uh, I looked really good. <laughs> like I was probably 25 pounds lighter than I'm right now. Um, because it's before I discovered the miracle of therapy. And I'm like, Oh, I'll just keep walking till I'm not sad anymore. <laughs> Because eventually you're just too tired to be sad or you're sad, but you'll go to sleep. So, <laughs> and, um, and Iraq was like that. Cause you'd wake up, you'd work out in the morning, you'd shower, then you'd go to the clinic and then you do all the clinic stuff and you check people in and then you do, you know, we'd save a couple lives here or there in the clinic and there's nothing. It was closer to scrubs than mash. And we, and if you if you kept to a strict routine, the days repeated faster and faster and faster. Mm. And it was a very stressful time where you're with the same dozen people, maybe. Like if you're a Fobbit and you've got like a shop or a clinic or whatever, you're with the same about a dozen people every day consistently. And you're in the same sort of three to five mile radius consistently. And you're doing the same things every day. And so if you do it right, you could speed up time, you mm. know, and, and COVID was like that because I'd wake up, I'd work out, I'd shower, I'd go to work, I'd work, then I'd work out. And then I'd, you know, depending on how the day it was, pop, you know, pop, bed, go to bed. <laughs> if I was just being super <laughs> honest here, it's not a good idea. Uh, it's a bad idea. Don't do that. But also, I thought we we're all going to die. So I was freaking the fuck out. It wasn't the land short term strategy. Yeah. Short term coping mechanism. <laughs> but um, yeah. And so it was in, you know, strangers could kill you. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, you know, um, yeah. Does that answer your question? Absolutely. Um, so thinking to what you're saying about, the routine. I, at least in my pandemic experience, found a sort of beauty in the things, the rare opportunities that we had to break the routine. So going grocery shopping, the grocery store became a sanctuary because it was something that you could go and do or uh, the park, just being able to go to the park because it was outdoors, you know, it wasn't yeah. wasn't as dangerous or, you know, all the movie theaters shut down. That's a huge thing for me because I'm always at the theater, but the drive-in didn't close. So we went to the drive-in more than we ever had in our entire sure. lives. D did you find any places or even things within your own home that sort of gave you some degree of, of comfort or it's Creek respite shit's Creek. All right. Yeah. Um, catfish, um, TV. Um, yeah. And I was, 
I, I was in my head, I was back on deployment. I was more like, you know, um, I was kind of, I was deep in survival mode. I was deep in, you know, um, what do you, what do you, yeah, I, I was, I was, it wasn't, I stayed away from grocery stores. Um, as, you know, at, at a certain point I discovered Instacart and just started <laughs> ordering that and, you know, but yeah, I guess TV. Right. But also like yeah. I was pretty wound tight, pretty anxious guy. Mm -hmm. Um, and walk going on walks was pretty good. Just planning for the survival of me and my wife, I was pretty consumed with and, you know, what's next. And, you know, like I remember a quarter mile North of my house, there was a bread line and it was, Something like it was April, May, 2020, like something like 5,000 people went through that bread line in a day. And mm -hmm. I don't live in that poor of a neighborhood. Like no. <laughs> that's not a common yeah. thing. And like, I grew up in fucking uh, bread lines and food banks and, you know, and food stamps and all that. And this is when like a third of the country was unemployed and the stock market was just in free fall. And I've seen, fucking food lines where people are begging for food and at the gleaners food bank. And I'm like, Oh shit. Mm -hmm. And I just, it, I just, I never wanted my wife to know what the receiving end of a food bank line at gleaners was like, right. Mm -hmm. That was kind of, that was, yeah. If I, if I do my job, right. She never will. You know, I was kind yeah. of more consumed with the the duty of it all, and you know, not quite. My brother, he he's a great guy. Uh, you're not a Star Trek guy, but the listeners don't understand. This. He lives his life based on Klingon proverbs, so <laughs> like duty and honor and personal courage. He's an Army Strong commercial come to life. But <laughs> anyway, what else you got, sir? Yeah, so put yourself into. December of 2020. Okay. Mm. It's the worst surge that we're going to see until Omicron, really. And yeah. Pre vaccine. Yep. Pre, pre vaccine, of course. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, how are you feeling? How has your life changed by December of 2020? Um, well, let's get honest here. So let's bring it back a little bit to what was that? When was Floyd murdered? june uh summer of 2020 yeah yeah and the riots happened and holy fuck did i go straight up my belly button and i was so jealous of black people because people mm. gave a shit about their problems right <laughs> and i remember having a you know i remember everyone when we were a kid they're like oh no one gives a fuck about your problems you are entirely on your own and i remember people giving a fuck and then i was just jealous because you know and and then i realized oh that's more about i haven't dealt with my stuff mm -hmm. right because i remember being mad i mean i mean i was distrustful i was way more conservative than i am now <laughs> but 
um, you know, anything that was vaguely, you know, socialist, vaguely Marxist, any anything that was smacked of it in the slightest, that was assumed was out to destroy my life and those I cared about, right? Um, lots of Ben Shapiro back then, we'll say. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> yeah, 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 I'm a different guy now. Um, <laughs> and I was so angry and I was so jealous. And then having these big, angry, shouting matches with the wife, right? Because I'm an idiot, which is why there were shouting matches. She's, <laughs> you know, thank God I married a patient uh, sixth grade teacher because emotionally that's about where I am, apparently. I learned that <laughs> during. <laughs> you know the floyd riots and how freaked out i was and i was i was picking the best angle to defend from looters on the first floor and the second floor and i had it all mapped out right house to house room to room and shit right i had <laughs> i wanted to turn the house into will smith's house and i am legend <laughs> you know my emotionally stable wife wouldn't let me for some reason but well, you don't have a dog, but also got to protect the dog. You got to protect the cats. <laughs> yeah, um, well, yeah, there you go. Um, and so all of that had me wound real tight. That on top of the pandemic, on top of the really stupid election uh, where I'm, you know, everyone's like, hey, this, the country is going to burn. <laughs> yeah, it really felt like that. It wasn't great. <laughs> yeah no it was we were staring into the fucking abyss and then uh they opened the schools for a month in october of 2020 so i'm an extrovert who has been uh emotionally on a combat deployment for six eight months um mostly by with by myself with my wife uh trying to figure out how to navigate a world that's kind of on fire that's kind of has a plague, you know, feel it felt very intense. It felt like, like, you know, the city, there, there was a lot of looting and cities burning and just horrific violence. Right. And political violence of any stripe is inherently wrong, but I was, yes, that's an evil and you shouldn't do that. But also I had a lot of my own shit to deal with. Right. Both, you know, one doesn't negate the other. It's not an either or, it's a yes and there, you know. And so the looting and the violence didn't really touch me, right? Uh, my father was a security guard at the downtown library back then. And he was like on the sixth floor and he could see like people hit, hitting the model of cocktails into the trash cans. And he's like, well, I'm out. And he puts his badge on his, on his desk and he just starts walking toward the highway, right? And that guy's blind <laughs> as a fucking bat. And so he's just wandering in the dark. My mom, my mom found him five miles away from the library. <laughs> he's like, if I just go the, the opposite direction of the screaming and the burning and the death, I'll be fine. <laughs> the books, the books aren't worth it. They can fend for themselves. The books are not worth it. And so when you take it to December, um i started cracking my teeth in november mm. and uh i haven't been in a lot of fights but there was a thing in basic training in the army where everyone gets a big wooden stick with a little bit of padding on it 
right? Not too much, just enough to where the bones don't shatter. And <laughs> and then you get to wear a little he- helmet, not a big helmet, just enough so that you know the bruises heal fast. And we spent a week just hitting each other. And um, so it's kind of like if someone takes their fist and just punches you in the face a lot. And that's kind of what it felt like because I had, I had been grinding my teeth so fucking much. And it felt like I had really lost a fist fight really bad. Mm. You lost a fist fight to yourself. To myself. Yeah. I was, I was sitting there trying to, you know, I don't know what the fuck I was trying to do, but, and I got five crowns through November and December. And I didn't drink during business hours, but boy, howdy, when five o'clock came a calling, I was pouring three shots of bourbon and that was just to numb my face so that I could eat. Mm. (laughs) It was so fucking bad. And I have had weird teeth problems because like if you kind of reconstitute most of your teeth, they don't quite fit right. Mm. right everything's always a little bit off and so like if teeth kind of like clack the wrong way because they're not you know it's not there you got the if you got the original set hold on to the original set because <laughs> if you make a new set it almost works but then it kind of drives you insane at the same time so like sometimes i'll be talking and my tooth will start hurting and i'll just kind of play through the pain but and so december comes around it's so fucking bleak and you know trump's contesting the election uh this is before the capital right but yeah you know the vaccine news of that it came out that was pretty cool um like right after the election news of the vaccine came out which was great and so there was kind of a light at the end of it all so we thought <laughs> it's adorable. Um, we had friends we were kind of bubbling with, which was great. Um, you know, it was, it was just a fucking bleak, sad winter and everyone was kind of bleak and sad together. Um, and by bubbling, I mean, like we would, you know, stand, we'd all, you know, we had have a big fire and then go to their front lawn. And it was two girls that we knew and, you know, they were good friends. And then one girl's, uh, her fiance or boy, now fiance, then boyfriend is a doctor. Like he became a doctor five minutes before the pandemic happened. Mm. So great timing. <laughs> and we bubbled with them and we'd see them. We'd see him occasionally, but surprise, surprise, he was busy. <laughs> and, you know, you see things where it says we're having a 9-11 a day, like it's 3,000 people dying every fucking day yeah. between December and January. And people are like, COVID's not real. You're full of shit. And I'm like, no, I'm not. And it is. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> so yeah, it was just kind of a kind of a really bleak time. I was I had started the podcast at that point. Um, I think most of those episodes have been deleted because they weren't very good or they became <laughs> other things like one one stuck around like actually the first one of these pandemic perspective episodes I did was a friend of mine who I deployed with and she's a travel nurse. And 
uh her name is like jamie gary i think and uh yeah i you know i was supposed to interview her but my teeth were so fucked up she just left a bunch of voicemails and kind of patchworked her story over like oh. mm-hmm. and and so i think that's only one episode that still exists from that time frame um yeah you know i have a lot of family that kind of went the other way you know there's a segment of the country that politicized uh the virus politicized the the mask mandates and all that stuff and you know um by this point i'm not really talking to them very much you know Mm -hmm. because i had family members that were you know over 60 morbidly obese with prior cardiovascular cerebral cardiovascular events and you know which made them candidates for a ventilator Mm -hmm. and uh i would have you know there's a they don't have health insurance so i imagine there's only so many ventilators at the charity hospital Mm -hmm. and oh i didn't tell you this so (laughs) this was more of an emotional kobe mechanism than anything else so in april 2020 i actually came up because everyone's like oh my god there's no ventilators what are we gonna do there i made uh kind of a bullshit impromptu ventilator right out of my old medic stuff which oh (laughs) yeah i was i was like because in realistically maybe it buys an hour what i had maybe right because i had (laughs) Because it's basically you put a J tube down someone's throat, and then you hook a bag valve mask where you're bagging the t- person with the tube, right? So maybe you're buying an hour, maybe at most, right? An hour more than I could have done. So I mean, you know, it was more like, what do I, you know, how do I? I kept thinking I needed seventy-two hour responses to everything, mm. anything and everything i needed to be able to operate on my own successfully for up to three days mm-hmm. um you know and i got to the point where as long as the power grid held and the clean water kept because if the power grid goes then eventually the water treatment plants stops working mm-hmm. so then things get stinky and septicy real fast so as long as the power grid held, I was fine. <laughs> but like if the power grid falls, I'm kind of fucked. So <laughs> like we <laughs> that three days kind of becomes real realistic. <laughs> like, what do you do with you know buys you enough time to figure out your next move? But but yeah, I I had figured out kind of an improvised ventilator. And I knew this guy that I went to medic school with who was running a clinic out in Japan. And I talked to him and I'm like, hey, this is what do you think of this? He's like, if that's your only option, do that. <laughs> if there's literally anything else, <laughs> go with anything else besides that. But if there's nothing else, do your idea. And I'm like, good enough for me. <laughs> that's the yours. Worst. Yours is the second worst option <laughs> behind nothing at all. <laughs> that's what I want to hear. Because <laughs> there's a lot of people with nothing at all <laughs> that's true that's very true i'll take second worst than nothing at all <laughs> all right so we we are in this bleak time socially yeah. politically 
medically, yeah. but but we do get that light. We hear of the vaccine. Can you tell yeah. me tell me about your journey through vaccination? Right. I remember when I heard about it because the wife was back at school and I was just desperately trying to get through a day without crying because this is November, this, you know, November 2020, the election has happened. I'm an anxious mess. Uh, they're sending my wife into a school <laughs> without a vaccine. Yeah. <laughs> I'm feeling a whole lot like an army wife. <laughs> or probably a policeman's wife, a fireman's wife, that sort of thing, where the one you love the most is going off into danger, and then there's not a damn fucking thing you can do about it. And I'm just trying to hold it together through the day, and then I'm listening to this financial YouTuber named Meet Kevin, and he's like, oh my god, guys, there's a fucking vaccine! <laughs> and then I alternate between laughing maniacally and sobbing uncontrollably for about 25 minutes right it's a good thing i was alone because you would have thought oh he's a madman and we were all a little mad at that time you know oh fuck <laughs> and anyone who says anything differently is full of shit mm -hmm. <laughs> or we're in deep deep denial because i think the <laughs> ones that were more scared and the people taking it seriously were the ones who had their fucking heads in the sand and were pretending it was all like some sort of maniacal plot from Nancy Pelosi to take over the country or something. <laughs> like she needs more money. She's doing just fine with the status quo. And also, let, let me tell you, as, as someone on the left, Nancy Pelosi could not orchestrate that if she wanted to. She doesn't have the, the clout and the skill. <laughs> She's only been in the Senate for 45 years. But um, yeah, no. Those people, the ones that, because I think, because I kind of got a first bird's eye view of that. Right? I saw it up close and personal where you had a lot of people just say, no, this isn't happening. When it's too terrifying to look the devil in the eye and see him for who he really is and what's happening. You say, oh, the devil's not there. And then you have to look away, right? Because you can't fucking handle what's really happening it's too yeah. fucking scary right and you know i'm not john rambo by any means and i'm not an exceptionally courageous heroic person but you know i i try to not hide from things that scare me i guess right or like if something scares me i try to face it because that's the only fucking thing you can do now, that doesn't mean I didn't avoid the virus as much as I could, because that's just smart. <laughs> Confronting your fear doesn't mean, oh, I'm just going to pretend the virus doesn't exist and then uh, just go about my day and then la di da di da fuck everybody else. <laughs> Confronting your fear means accepting the reality of what's happening and then living accordingly, which best serves your yourself your family your god and your country mm. right some combination of that and and i couldn't i couldn't do that you know i know a lot of people that did and i don't talk to those people anymore 
Mm-hmm. And that makes me really sad. And and the rift was starting before that, but really kind of chasm there mm-hmm. to where, oh, we're just on two separate planes of existence. And, you know, and, and that, that was their coping mechanism, I think. That's still a lot of people's coping mechanism, I think. Sure, yeah. You know, you shrink it down to something to where it's a, it, it's, it's a primary color thing, right? That's why politics mm. in this country is surface level and remarkably stupid most of the time <laughs> because they have everything down to a primary color. Oh, I'm this primary color. Here's the top 10 things my primary color likes the best. Oh, I guess those are my top 10 things. Fuck anybody else and I'll kill the other color, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, And if you just add the, you know, the pandemic, the political instability, the race riots, and the global economic shutdown to your list of political things, well, then you don't really have to think too hard. And you can just mm-hmm. do whatever Tucker Carlson tells you to. And never never a good idea for the record. <laughs> I, 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 I try to, to not, do, I don't even listen to that guy just because he makes me so fucking mad. But I only hear him when I'm hearing uh, people that I do trust mocking him. That's that's my exposure <laughs> to Tucker Carlson these days. Exactly. Um, what was your so what, when when you get when you get vaccinated? Right. Sorry, I had old. You know, you know me. No, no, that was good. Trust me, that was that was good stuff. Fucking everywhere. <laughs> um, it was almost a year into it. It was about a week before the general population um through the va mm-hmm. yeah i i was frantically trying to find my wife a shot because i think your wife is a educating professional type mm-hmm. and so you guys got they got priority if you went through the federal system but the state system went by age which was stupid <laughs> like, yeah so the the fun story is that um yeah, they, they prioritized healthcare workers, but not teachers. Mm-hmm. And Lindsay works for a contract company that is like a healthcare company. So she could show her badge and she got oh. it before most of the teachers because she technically was a healthcare worker through through that company. Because if you went through the state of Indiana, Indiana was like 50 and over, right? Yeah. Fuck anybody else. If you could put the president um, who... Or, president joe biden must be specific to some <laughs> the audience um, um not that i voted for the guy but that's beside the point um designated that if he went through kroger meyer and like walmart or something the the big federal the, the big national pharmaceutical chains then you know teachers were eligible and so i was i had like this tri-state search i was trying to find her a, a shot for the covid shot and I think I got mine about a week before her. And I was kind of the first guy through the door, yeah. right? Um, in my peer group, you know, I was the guy, like, I think my father-in-law got it before me, but he's in Ohio and he's 60. And, and I didn't really have anybody my age to be like, Hey, how did you do? Mm-hmm. And there's all this like general anxiety over and everyone's like, it's going to give you cancer. It's going to change your DNA. And, <laughs> 
you're gonna have free you know bill gates wants to use it to something something lizard it's population people. control yeah yeah <laughs> yeah not the plague that we're going through but the cure <laughs> i swear to god i found the week before i found my wife a shot I'm at the VA getting something else done. And then I see a thing pop up on Facebook says uh, the president declared that anybody, any veterans, 18 years of age or older, which is funny because there actually are 17 year old veterans, you know, for like a little bit, but uh, um, <laughs> yeah, I knew 17 year old combat medics who went to Afghanistan. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. Right, we'll we'll I, come back to that off, off air. That's, yeah. You can okay. sign when you're 16 and pff, out you go. Right? All right. Well, <laughs> he knocked up a girl. And then married her and then left <laughs> for the war. <laughs> I'm there. And then it was the first week of March in 21. And then I signed up to get the shot. And then uh, gladly, thankfully. Right. And then I remember driving there. And then I turned on the song uh, Home by the Foo Fighters. Right. Mm -hmm. Because that was the song I listened to when I missed my family. When I was away, when I was in basic training, when I was in uh, combat medic school, when I was in Iraq, I just would put the headphone back when I could listen to headphones. Can't do that anymore. That's another fun uh, army story. <laughs> but when I could listen to headphones, I'd put the headphones on and then listen to that song. And then I, I, I had it playing in my car and then I'm just fucking crying and processing just you know a year's worth of holy shit i'm alive still and, and and i remember walking and there's this big line of people and you know it reminded me of in processing a basic training but everyone's just fatter and older right because <laughs> you know it's it's being a bunch of other veterans we're all just bullshit in line and the line stretches a minute and I just remember being so fucking grateful, right? I'm like, oh, I'm one of the lucky ones. I get the American vaccine. I get a vaccine, you know. Um, I I don't get to die in a ventilator, right? Like, mm -hmm. you know, like 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 the millions that did, you know. Like, is there stuff coming yeah. out now where everyone everyone kind of knew the Indians were fudging their numbers? But everyone's kind of acknowledging that the Indians fudge their numbers and like the death toll is something like 10x what they really were reporting. And that's what mm. the WHO is figuring out now. But yeah, I just remember feeling so happy and, and, and so just feeling really grateful and just, you know, and I probably got evangelical about the vaccine and i was like everyone should get it and you know and and yeah i was i was pretty evangelical about it just because there were so many voices that were anti-vax and you know i figured that was just people they were scared and when people are scared, they search for the slightest bit of control in the situation they can find. Mm -hmm. And saying no is a bit of control in a situation where they haven't really had any, where the world's shut down, where the world's been. Oh, shut. yeah. I work in an elementary school. I understand saying no <laughs> to gain control of a situation. Yeah. I see it every day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then you see grown men and women act like fucking, you know, 10 year olds. 
well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, and and then yeah, and then we kind of poked our heads out a little bit after that, right? Like we kind of mm-hmm. we kind of kept the faith through that bleak winter where I it was the hardest thing I've ever done. And I've done a lot of hard shit and staying home and as anxious as that made me, as terrified as I was, as, as much as I was so desperate to be around people, the people I loved, I I missed them so dearly, but the, you know, many of them had found comfort in their politics. They found comfort uh, in a philosophy that told them that it wasn't happening. And if it's happening, it's not happening as bad as you think it is. And Mm -hmm. If it is, it's, you know, the Democrats' fault. I'm also not a registered Democrat, nor do I vote. I don't even think I'll vote again, but that's a different thing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So this isn't me campaigning for Joe Biden 2024 or anything. So God help us. Um, they, They got lost in their politics and then they took more comfort in that than family right which was surprising but even throughout all of that i knew the best thing i could do was try to i could be the voice in the room in the area i could be the person that they knew that was taking it really seriously because they didn't really have you know i didn't know anybody that was there wasn't like an elder person in my life in my immediate circle that was taking it seriously, but it was not keeping the faith about it. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Or like, you know, I, I didn't know. I, I knew, I knew absolutism would keep us safe. You know, mm-hmm. uh, saying like, we're not going to do this no matter fucking what, no matter yeah. what does no matter how awful it is no matter how miserable i am no matter uh how much i can't stand waking up another day drinking whiskey at five o'clock in the afternoon just to numb my fucking face um if the people i love die at least i'll know that their blood is not on my hands mm-hmm. and that, that was a big refrain of this pandemic is that if we're if we're doing things right, we won't know mm-hmm. if it was an overreaction or not. Mm-hmm. And, and that's kind of that's kind of the faith I kept to, and you know, in the Lord Jesus Christ and all that. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's that was my guiding star was if you do things this way, you will know with an absolute certainty that you did everything you could to keep them mm-hmm. safe and keeping them safe meant staying away from them. Mm-hmm. And then you stayed away from them no matter what. And I saw, you know, they stopped by the front porch on Christmas and we had, you know, this, we had this, like this, this fucking butane heater, right. That you, you mm-hmm. put on top of a tank and then it heats. And one of my family members, they had this blanket around them and then the blanket was touching the heater with the flames. And I was like, Oh my God, what are you doing? Stop. <laughs> and they thought I was mad at them because they, they burnt the blanket i'm like no i didn't want you to catch on fire (laughs) i'm glad you didn't burn yourself horrifically um your coat looks flammable it's it's plastic (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, nylon coats that go up like real fast. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was a lot of that. And and once we were vaccinated, because like many things, the word changed. But the original thought was that the vaccines would stop the spread of the virus. Mm-hmm. Which, to my knowledge, did not work out the way we thought it did. Or we yeah. thought it would. Right. I, I think that's not a controversial statement to say anymore. Right. I think everyone should still get vaccinated and thank God when it happens. But, um, and so we got vaccinated and then we started, we went out to dinner with some friends and then and I got the second shot. And then I remember I was all excited and I started drinking whiskey and, but out of celebration and not like out of bleak numbing my face just to like get through the moment. Yeah. Um, and then I, like it hits, I didn't know how bad I was going to hit you, but it was like a sack of bricks and then you wake up at 2 AM and everything hurts. You have a fever. And I went downstairs and I watched this movie about, it was a movie made in 1962. It was one of those low-budget sci-fi movies made in Canada. And it was about a plague that happened in 2024 and killed most of the people. And I'm like, wow, this is fitting. <laughs> <laughs> and Yeah, so let's, uh, let's think about life after that. You know, we, we come back from, from the summer. Cases have been very, very low over the summer. Yeah. Like this up again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, We've been hurt before. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And and yeah, so things like you said, we're poking our head out. We're we're vaccinated. uh, We're, you know, maybe we're boosted. We're, you know, not you, but people are going back to work, but, you know, they're still wearing masks. Yeah. Um, Walk me from there through to where you're at now. Um, I was finishing up therapy or the first round of therapy anyway, because the Lord has not seen fit to bless me with children yet, but when he dies, there's, there is a monster known as anxiety that, uh, has crippled generations of the men in my family. Hmm. My grandfather had a heart attack. My father had a heart attack and a stroke and you know all in their 30s 40s and i'm like oh shit i'm in my 30s and after a while anxiety begins to have physical manifestations and for me it was my teeth and so hopefully uh, i can just hopefully my teeth is all i have to sacrifice to the monster you know and when I tell you make a piece with the monster under the bed, that's kind of what I mean. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was a lot of, I kind of speed ran through about 33 years worth of shit real fast, you know? <laughs> and, and my family made it out of the pandemic, but we all fell apart. Right. Mm-hmm. Which was really hard um you know i couldn't i couldn't join them in their fantasy 
you know, I had to, you know, the deeper they got into their fantasy of, oh, this isn't happening. Oh, it's just a bunch of bullshit. It's like the flu. And the, mm-hmm. the harder I went the other way, you know, because the deeper they went into their fantasy, the more I realized, no, I can't rely on them. Oh, I can't count on them. I am on my fucking own yeah. on this. And, you know, along with my wife but you're married so your wife is kind of like a kidney or a foot you know it's just you know it's part of you and your processing system you know I, you say- I would be lucky to be my wife's kidney just to be a small part of that that that's where i that's my lane you just want to be a part of the mosaic i understand yeah and and yeah i was realizing that oh that's permanent you know, and which is something I still deal with to this day, you know, it's, and the rifts that were formed there, I don't know, I don't know how to, I don't know how to get them back. So, and and I mean, it's too hard. Not to editorialize about your own please do deeply divisive family scenarios but uh, you know it seems like one of those things where if you had given into the fantasy Mm -hmm. it it may have been less likely that everyone would have made it out you know every node of connection to someone who wasn't willing to take it seriously and take precautions made you know increases exponentially the factor of risk yeah and i i I, if i were you i would have to agree that it wouldn't be worth it to hang on to my family if that meant risking my family you know it was kind of you you kind of were in a position where you could you could choose how you lost them yeah and i'm sorry and i'm sorry for that you know that's that's (laughs) a real that's a real bitch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was kind of, it felt like it was a situation where, uh, what I was triage in the situation and I thought, you know, what, how do I, how do I act in a way that does, we used to call it the greatest good for the greatest number where, mm-hmm. you know, maybe, uh, yeah, like I said, like, you know, maybe if I'm a voice in the room, Maybe I can at least steer the, maybe I can at least influence conversation that way. Maybe I can not add to the problem. I just, I just didn't want to add to the problem. Yeah. You know, I couldn't fix anything. You know, I had friends that were on COVID missions. I had friends that were doing riot control training. Everyone looked really tired. Um, you know, I was sitting at the house but, you know, I was like, well, you know, I did Iraq, so I kind of did a thing already. <laughs> like, I, did, like, I don't really feel bad. Like, I feel like, well, I did my thing. And, you know, my thing was easier, but it still counts. So <laughs> I don't need to do this thing. Um, <laughs> and I guess also to pick up on your thread of, you know, the permanence of this changing relational dynamic the the way the way to make it back like it was would be to enter a fantasy where none of this stuff ever happened and just pretend like everything was fine and you shouldn't shouldn't put yourself through that you there's there's no 
rational reason that you would just throw the last two years out the window. We can't do that. That's, you know, none of us should try to. Yeah. I I had people who I won't name, but they said, um, we can talk again, but you have to not bring up any of the thing that happened and we have to pretend that everything is okay. And I'm like, absolutely not. No. (laughs) Mm-hmm. you know i don't need you in my life that bad and you know and that's that's what i think has been so great about this series that you you've run here these pandemic perspectives is it it is our collective statement this happened this mattered this changed us mm-hmm. and we cannot go back if we wanted to Mm -hmm. my wife recently told me how uh and fuck it i'll get real real here um she was worried about me right um speaking of change uh, i was uh i went to eastern mass recently for the first time in a long time and i felt so uncomfortable I felt like I was trapped and I'd have to fight my way out, right? Nobody talked to me except for my wife and my mother-in-law, who were fantastic people. But I was so anxious and and I've never felt that way in a church before. And I think it's because with I kind of got the micro version of people splitting along this stupid fantasy political lines. And the macro version, I saw both. And in my head, like, if, you know, we all saw how we acted in a crisis, mm. you know, mm-hmm. we all got a good hard look at how everyone acts. <laughs> <laughs> we saw, you know, who, uh, who at the very least wouldn't go out of their way to make the problem worse and who would gleefully go out of their way to make the problem worse. (laughs) And I was surprised at who was who. Mm. And I somehow became a liberal by default. (laughs) (laughs) Not, Not like out of any sense of like massive. I mean, there was a lot of, you know, change and stuff, but it was like, oh, there is this one defining thing going on right now. I want to be on the side of let's not make the problem worse. <laughs> and and I'm in this church and I just remember and I don't know any of these people. I know like three, maybe four. I don't, you know, so I don't have any context. I just and this is my own thing I'm working through right now. I'm kind of telling this so I can have a record of it. When I listen back to it 10 years from now, I can be like, oh, that was a thing that happened. But I identified, you know, conservatives with people that were, you know, not taking the virus seriously, fighting every step of it, whatever. And I'm like, oh, when the going gets tough, you can't be counted on to try, right? No one expects you to be fucking Steve Rogers, but mm-hmm. 
do you have to be the red skull? Like, <laughs> do you have to make the problem worse? <laughs> like, just because yeah. you're uncomfortable, you know, and that does not negate, it does not negate any of the authoritative tendencies that a lot of people on the left took with it, any of the hypocritical stuff where people would have locked their people under lockdowns and throw parties, right? Mm-hmm. This is Gavin Newsom. This is Boris Johnson. It's everybody who did it. This yeah, Cuomo. Not, yeah, yeah. Yeah. This does not negate CNN talking about how the protests are mostly peaceful as Minneapolis burns behind them, right? Like, clearly, that wasn't a peaceful protest if the city's in flames, you know, one of these things is not like, it does not negate that. So nobody's without sin here, but I, like a deployment, right? I feel like we all just can't, we all might be coming off one. I think so. The vaccines seem to be working, right? You know, China's under lockdown and they're starving right now. So their vaccine clearly doesn't work because, you know, this is a stupid tangent, but we got caught. We caught their Chinese spies in a a COVID vaccine lab in Houston in 2020. And they took about 50% of uh, our research. And so their vaccines are 50% effective, right? And I'm like, oh, the Chinese can't innovate. You don't fucking say. But no. I have a hard time. It feels like when I got back off Iraq, where you're just kind of on edge and you're distrustful and you're waiting for the next shoe to drop and everything is kind of calmed down. But I'm in that church and then I'm like, oh, I kind of remember how the conservatives act. I remember some Christians talked about how it was against their religion to get the vaccine or whatever. And I'm like, oh, when things get tough i can't trust you and you'll turn on me but also that's a family Mm. thing right i'm projecting a family thing out there you know so i think i'm dealing with a fun bit of you know stuff afterward right with the delusion of a family and then kind of a fundamental shift in how i see the world right so it's it's hard to figure it out but anyway what was your question yeah, no, I mean that that was it. We're we're just kind of I, I think we're we're getting to the heart yeah. of of what has gone on here, and that in its simplest form is a profound opportunity for change. Yeah. We have all had the opportunity to take stock of what's been working, what's been not forces beyond our control have taken things away from us given things to us and we are you know we're not out of the woods in terms of you know there's still more variants that can spread you know we we've we've seen this this dance before we could all you know still go back into hiding but then we're also not over it in the sense that even if our vaccines are are going to protect us from serious illness and death, we will not be done processing the legacy 
of that profound change, maybe ever, you know, this is one of the defining global events of this generation of humanity. Or like, our lifetime hopefully this is the defining global event of our lifetimes god will i said i said one of i i I have no illusions about the crazy shit that's going to be unleashed from here on until i die (laughs) pretty much but this is one of them yeah my wife she's worried about me because of how i have been looking for threats for two years straight Mm. you know i remember coming back off deployment and again nothing nothing at all happened on deployment um you know i won't go into details but i got an article 15 because you know i'm an idiot right like i got on (laughs) extra duty when i was on deployment and that's the most exciting thing that happened and it was but i remember i'm on vacation right You, you, you get like two weeks leave uh mentor leave if you're lucky and i was lucky i was beyond lucky compared to my peers who had saw violence and death and carnage and just that and i remember we're driving and like and again i can't stress how little happened to me over there but like i'm so tuned up to danger i'm seeing light reflect from a window i'm thinking oh well that's a muzzle flash right like it wasn't it was just sunlight hitting a window, but you know, I was just that. And I've, you know, I'm there right now, right? I'm, I'm so attuned to things that could hurt us, you know, looking for the next shortage, making sure we've, you know, I don't know how many rolls of toilet paper I have, but I know how much it weighs, right? <laughs> like you can measure it in cubic feet sort of thing. Yeah. And, and I'm hoping that, that the war is over and I can go home soon, you know, because <laughs> I know sometimes uh, I'm a lot, right i play a fun guy on the radio you know also if you listen to agent z and the zombie slayers oh my god is derwood said but eight well we'll go into that a little bit agent z the zombie slayers was kind of me working through like isolation and ptsd and stuff yeah yeah which i was so glad that you got to be a part of um yeah really enjoyed that yeah and i I am hopeful. No, no, that's not true. <laughs> I know we want to end on a hopeful note, but maybe, maybe it's not a hopeful note. Maybe it's not. Maybe, maybe it's I, a deeply ambivalent and anxious note, and that's that's an honest place. I, well, well, in here, I am finally, I think, coming to terms with the fact that the split. It happened in my family. It isn't going to be fixed. You know, no one's coming to my door to be like, oh, I'm sorry. We should figure this out. They actively said, we don't want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. You know, but then they wondered. And one of them, they started cutting me out too. And I kept saying, no, we need to figure things out. And then, then they wondered where I went. 
same place I've been. Address hadn't changed. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm just now coming to the really to the I'm accepting that that's over and there's not going to be a happy ending there. There's not going to be, you know, a good family uh, dynamic there. There's going to be just mistrust. There's going to be, Oh, you know, when things got hard, you turned on me and you put your head in the sand to pretend that nothing was happening. And Oh, now you want to pretend that everything's fine. Nothing happened. No, no. I remember what you did. And I remember how you acted. And when lives are, when things are serious and lives are on the line, you can't just fuck around. Yeah. You know, cause if you, we had the saying as medics, if you failed, people died. And I didn't fail, <laughs> you know? Yeah. We'll end there on a note of Derwin didn't fail during the pandemic. <laughs> well, Derwin, thank you so much for sharing your story mm. and for really pulling all of these stories together and giving us something that we can look back on to say this was all real. You know, it seemed we take it for granted when it's in our present but looking forward to the future when the present becomes the past we we need to know what it was like and so thank you for for your story for everyone else this has been your favorite guest host evan kelly for the blanket fortress of solitude we will see you next week at presumably our same time monday 0700 and uh You know, stay safe out there.